about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Recently, the Lord has worked in my heart about uh, something that people would always say to me. And you know, you know when people come up to you and they know you and they say, thus and such, and you look at them like, yeah, well, I know that. Tell me how to get rid of it, you know. So this is something that's been going on with me. So I really want to ask you some questions. So audience participation. Um, when I say the word righteousness, what is your definition of it? Right standing with God. Anything? Anyone? That was good, right? <laughs> that was good. Okay, anyone else? I mean, when I was a kid, I'll help with this too. When I was a kid, every, my mother used to say, you're good. You're good. But she was trying to convince me because she saw it and I did not. So in my mind, the idea of righteousness is being good, right? Is that sort of where everybody, yeah. And I was um, reading in the Word, and so why don't we just turn to Romans. And I said, well, the only place I can really find the answers Amen. is in the Word. <laughs> so I did look it up in Strong's Concordance, which gives you the actual Greek word underneath the English, and it means equitable. And I went, gee, thanks. <laughs> like, equitable? What? So um, evidently it means something like what God is, which is just in all his ways and right in all his doings. So if we see something like that, where we see that something has been just, justly done, you know, okay, this was right, this was just, then we have a sense of satisfaction. So my coined phrase for righteousness now is just right. <laughs> just and right. We're just right. There's righteousness. This is what, um, so, and sometimes when I hear about kingdom principles or the Ten Commandments or anything regarding what I know is just and right, um, I thank God for Pastor Tom's teaching because if I didn't know that I was a new creation underneath, then I would be trying so hard to be just and right and failing and be miserable as a result. So I don't know if that's with any of you. How many of you are like firstborn in your family? We got, okay, one, two, three, a lot. Okay, that's right, only born, all right. There is something about firstborns that, that we have this real sense of justness and rightness, you know. We have a, 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 almost a fear of authority type of thing, or, or we take authority. <laughs> Speaking of Latasha. So it, there is something in us that is of God that says we want to be in right standing with God. We want to be good. We want to be just and right. So... Um, thank God for understanding our new creation reality. And if you don't, we'll get into that a little bit as well. But you can get 
any tape back there, and guaranteed Pastor Tom will encourage you with that. Okay, so we're in Romans, and we're going to look at Romans chapter 1. I'll make it easy. And um, I'm just going to point out a couple of verses, and then we'll go to another one in that chapter. So as I, what I love to do is not just take individual verses, although the way um, many of us do that, it helps because we get to see the whole picture of all these different verses put together. I tend to be one that likes to read through and try to figure out what it's really trying to tell me. So when I started in chapter 1, I hit verse 5, and this is Paul talking. And it's funny because on my tape that I listened to with the Word of God, the man that has the proper British accent says it this way, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience, and then he says, to the faith among all nations. And I'm sorry, but that's not the way it reads. It is by, by whom, okay, he's talking about God and Jesus, we, we meaning Paul, have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith, which is a whole nother meaning than just strictly obedience. And I thought, that's strange. I'm not sure I quite get that. So then I went down to verse 9. So, well, we'll do verse 8 too. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve diligently with all my strength and might, and I really keep trying to do good. And no, Wait, no, wait, I don't think it says that. It says, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son. Okay, so Paul's got something here that I don't quite comprehend. So we're going to go down to verse 16 because he mentions the gospel again. So he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. All right, so I'm going to stop there. And I just, I realized I haven't prayed. And I, that's, you know, we're under grace, but I do want to pray before we start. So, Father, thank you. You've already been here and you are with us. And God, show us what the gospel really is. Um, show us what the good news is for us and help us to walk in it. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So, all right, one time I was in Bible school, no less, and I was saying to one of my fellow students, what is the gospel? I came out of Greek Orthodoxy, so that's a lot like Catholicism. And in the Greek Orthodox Church, there's a big dome, and of course, if you grow up and you look around and you look at the dome, and of course, they have pictures which speak to children. But this picture was a huge picture of Christ on the throne with the, th with the crown on his head. And underneath him was this little guy in a loincloth with his hands clasped. And on either side, he was standing in front of a scale. 
And on one side, the devil was putting things into one side of the scale, and an angel was putting things into the other side. Now, to me, that's how I got my image of what righteousness is, being good, so that the angel putting all your good stuff on one side would be heavier than the other, and Jesus would welcome you into his kingdom. And for I have seriously prayed, God, bomb that thing, would you please? Because it started me out on the wrong foot with the Lord. So I kept trying to be good. And the thing that people would always say to me, including Pastor Tom, is, you're so hard on yourself, right? Has anybody ever heard that for themselves? Hello. There we go. It's just the way we grew up. I mean, when you're a kid, your parents want you to be good and and live in a, you know, you don't go around stealing people's things and you just have to teach them how to be good. But somehow it messed me up for Christianity. (laughs) So, and the kingdom, especially the kingdom, because there are principles in the kingdom that if we follow, we live in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. But if we follow the principles because they're principles and we think they'll make us good, eh. so, all right. Do that. (laughs) That wasn't as good as the, we'll have, eh. no, that isn't good either. Okay, don't egg me on, Patrick. (laughs) Um, All right, so let's continue because this will help. I'm going to read 16 again. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just, or actually that word can also be said, the righteous shall live by faith. All right, so I want us to turn one more place regarding the gospel, and it's 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And in verse 1, he's saying, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, O good, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Okay, so here's the gospel. Jesus died for our sins, He was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. All right, so what does that have to do with me? And we're going to see that righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost have to do with Jesus dying, being buried, and resurrected, but not just him. So we'll find out as we go along. All right. So, all right, I'm going to go back to being so hard on myself. When finally someone said it to me and they said, let me help you, 
it was a life coach, much like Luann does. <laughs> Sorry, Luann. Luann does this also. But it was someone that said, all right, this is what I see in you. Let's see if we can break you out of that from that kind of bondage of being hard on yourself and allow you to be free. So what she first said is, do you realize that you've been punishing yourself all these years just because in ourselves we know if we are being good or not? We, we know it. And the Holy Spirit is faithful to show us as well. And I had, because my parents were wonderful people, but they had both been abused, and so they didn't want to spank me, which I desperately needed, I grew up feeling like an orphan, you know. And so who was going to punish me? Somebody had to love me enough to do so. So I took that on myself. And I did not realize it. So when people say you're being hard on yourself, it was like, you know, I was a deer in the headlights. It's like, yeah, so what? I don't get it. So she helped me to see when I was scolding myself in my head and when I started to feel down, depressed, heavy, the junk, you know, some for some people when you feel funny, then... Ask yourself, why, why am I feeling this way? What's going on up here? Because our thoughts will lead to our emotions, will lead to our actions. And that's in the soul realm. And we're going to talk about the spirit realm, which is what, who we really are. We are a spirit. We have a soul. We have our minds. We have our choices. We have our feelings. And we also live in a body. But it's our spirit that knows the difference. And even people that don't ha have not asked Jesus in, our, in their hearts to be their Lord and Savior, they have a conscience. So actually, I'm thinking of another scripture. Wait, let me bring this up. Let me see where it is. Ah. All right, so it's, it is in Romans also. Okay, I'm just going to say it. Help me, Lord, to flow. I asked him to help me flow, and then it's like, no, 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 it's in my notes somewhere. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, all right, so I I've really believe there's, there's, okay, let me do it in Romans. It is um, in chapter 5. No, it isn't. Never mind. It's, all right, I'll just say it. It's that without the law, there's no sin. And I'll find it eventually. But anyway, if there's no law, there is no sin. So we're so aware of the law then we, that we acknowledge sin a lot. But the people of the world are trying to get rid of the law. They're becoming lawless, right? Do you see that? And what's happening is they're trying to get rid of the law so they won't have sin because way down deep they know that they're not right with God. So they're trying to kill it and get rid of it. And what God does is say, face it to us. He says, face it, see it for what it is, come to me, let me cleanse it from you, and then you can go on and live the life from within that I've given you. You see the difference? 
They're trying to kill the law, but God says, I'm trying to kill you. And that he already did. So I'm going to get completely off the notes. And we're, it's, we're traveling in Romans. All right, so we're going to go down to Romans 3. And Romans 3 in verse 9 and 10 says, Paul has before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. So in verse 19, I'm going to jump down because there's a huge list of what's going on with everybody. (laughs) It's like there's none understanding. There's none that seeks after God. They're all gone out of the way. It's a miserable list. So, um, (laughs) and we need to see that, but we have if we know the Lord now. But so 19 says, now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped, okay? And all the world may become guilty before God. He isn't leaving anyone out here. He's saying, every mouth, all the world, therefore by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Wait a minute, so aren't I supposed to be obey, obeying and obedient? And, but it's saying I can't be justified, and that's a legal term. That's like the judge with his gavel and banging it and saying, you are not guilty. And here we are standing before the Lord and saying, we are guilty. This is what we've done wrong. And he, by decree, says, you're not guilty. So the, the fact that justify is in there, we sometimes think it's being cleansed from sin. The blood has done that. The blood has cleansed us from all sin. To be justified is a, another term that is part of the resurrection of Christ. So we're joined with him in his death, and we're joined with him in his resurrection. And the resurrection gives us new life, and so does justification. So I know I... This is... Anyway... Um, I'm going to ask some of you if you have anything in your hearts and minds regarding trying to be principled in life and how you can understand what God is saying through his word. No, it's not. Never mind. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. Um, In the kingdom, we live in a different... I'm going to go back to the notes. We live in a different sphere. Sphere. There's a poem, and it says, Do this and live, the law commands, but gives me neither feet nor hands. A better word the gospel brings, it bids me fly and gives me wings. All right, so I'm going to go back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 9. Thank you for... We won't put this on wherever. (laughs) All right. Out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is part of what our problem is, because that's where Adam caused all of us to have a conscience of what is good and what is bad, and yet we can't choose 
the what is good because what in Romans 7 Paul is saying hey I'm wrestling with this so there's where it began and in I want us to go to chapter 2 in verse 15 and the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it and the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. So I want to bring up the fact that when it says the Lord God commanded the man, it actually in Hebrew has four meanings to it. And if we know about these four meanings, we'll be more understanding what God is like. First of all, yes, it's authoritative direction. He's telling him, don't eat from this tree. All right? But second of all, it's an urgency. That word in Hebrew, there's an urgency to it. So that means that there was kind of a, a feeling behind it. It's not just, you know, A, B, and C. The third thing it means is that it was counsel. So God was, was saying, okay, here, there's, there's a problem with this tree, and I want to let you know about it beforehand. I'm giving you good counsel. Listen to what I'm saying to you. And the fourth one is concern. So he's talking to us as his creation and saying, I'm concerned over you. I don't want you doing this thing. So that, so I'm going to say those four again because when, when I think of command, it is, again, it's the right and the wrong thing. It's authoritative direction. It's a sense of urgency. It's good counsel. And it's a loving concern. So Proverbs chapter 3, let's just turn quickly to that. A lot of times when we see God as a very demanding God, we don't realize that if he shows us something that's wrong in our lives, um, it's not because he's mad at us. It's because he wants us to, to be in a, a good place. He wants to redirect our lives so we're not as heavy um, in, our, in our lives and as miserable as we can get. So, okay, in Proverbs 3, let's look at... Verse 18. No, let's go back to 13. Happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding. For the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies. And all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared unto wisdom. Length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. And then verse 18. She, wisdom, is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is everyone that retaineth her. So God's wisdom, God's word, is a tree of life, and that's what he wanted them to partake of, not so they could know the difference between good and evil, which it says that Eve thought, gee, you know, this is a nice-looking tree, and the food looks really good, but maybe this will make me really smart. Maybe I'll get really good insight. And when we go to other places than to God for that kind of wisdom, it n will not work. There is a way that seemeth right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. 
So if we don't fill our minds with what God says, we're going to go our own way. What seems right to us, we're going to do. And that is not going to bring us the peace and the joy and the righteousness that God wants us to have. There's another verse in Proverbs since we're in there. Verse, uh, chapter 6, rather, verse 23. And it, it says, For the commandment is a lamp, and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. And so when I'm being corrected, when something is not right in my life, and I really go to the Lord and say, okay, what's, what's going on? What is it in me? Is it something that I need to know about? And the Lord is faithful to say, yeah, this is something here. I want you to see this. So instead of fighting against everything that can tend to be wrong, then, then we, if we hear him, if we go to him as a father, as the one that is urgent for us to be safe, is, has concern, has counsel for us, and has direction, then we'll be able to receive better than just thinking, oh, what am I doing here? Okay. Thank you. So instead of trying to keep myself in line, let's go to Romans 3. I, I search Romans because it's still, um, where I'm growing is, is still learning how to live in the spirit, how to live the life that Jesus wants for us. And knowing that, I'm going ahead of myself, but we are not in the flesh any longer. We are in the spirit, the word says. So to be in the spirit, he's asking us to learn how not to live by principles or right and wrong, but how to live by his spirit through his word. And that's a lifelong travel for me. It's just something that we continue to tune our ears in. The more we are in the Word and the more we pray. And, you know, it's not, you got to do it. But I know when we rush around to work and, you know, there's no time and you've got to make dinner and do the dishes and all the things of life. And it's easy to just be in the Lord and yet not really strong in the word and not that I'm strong in the word either but I did notice as I had a purpose I shut off the TV I didn't do the un, you know the distracting things and I said I've got to prepare and unfortunately I'm not as prepared as I want to be but it's still you know there's something about the distractions of life that to stay in the word has, con has kept me stronger during the days when I do do the work and do do the dishes and do take care of the babies and whatever. So, all right, where did I bring you to? Any place? Chapter 3? Thank you. Okay, let's look at, we started in, in, we read 19. Now, let's hit 20, verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Um, and then, let's jump to chapter 4 and go to verse 4 and 5. Okay, so Paul is talking about Abraham here, 
And he's just saying, now to the person who works, the reward is not reckoned of grace, but of debt. So in other words, I expect my paycheck. If I'm going to be working, I'm going to expect something for that work. But, in verse 5, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. I would read that verse, and I'd come to the part where it says, justifieth the ungodly, and my head would spin. How, God, can you call someone who is ungodly as though he's not guilty? I All I kept seeing was the murderer in prison. (laughs) And God, how can you call that person ungodly? I mean, how can it, uh, not guilty. But here's, let's read back with Abraham. So in in verse 1 of chapter 4, what shall we say then that Abraham, our father, is pertaining to the flesh, because that's, he's our father in the flesh, and God is our father in the spirit, Hath found, And it says, For if Abraham were justified by works, he has whereof to glory, but not before God. But what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. The word counted in this verse and in verse 5, where it says his faith is counted for righteousness, is a, like a mathematical term. So in other words, if you have a checkbook register and on one side you're adding the deposits, but you don't want to put your checks under the same column as you put the deposits, you're going to put the checks under another column. So it's when you're counted as righteous. So you may have had sin, but when you trust what God has provided as being your righteousness, he puts you in the deposit side. He says, you are righteous because you've believed me. So I remember the story of Peter where Jesus is saying, you know, this night you're all going to leave me. And Peter jumps up and he's with his purposeful, bold statement. He says, even if everybody else leaves you, I am not going to forsake you. And Jesus, instead of saying, good man, Peter, you're such an encourager, you know, and really saying, yay, yay. He says, Peter, tonight you're going to deny me three times. What? So it's like our heart is there. This is where we want. But Jesus says, no, I know. I know you're going to. But then the very next verse, even though it's a new chapter, says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. That's all he's asking. He just wants our faith and our trust. And the more we know him, the better we're going to be trusting him. So all through the book of Romans and everywhere else, it says good things about the law and bad things about the law. So the good things about the law is that it is good, it's holy, it's righteous. And that's in Romans chapter 2, verse 20. And then it says... Um, and Romans 7, I mean, it says it everywhere, but then it says, but we can't, the law will show us that we're sinners. So how do we reconcile that? Well, um, the law is our schoolmaster. See, I, I know, it's in Galatians. 
The law is a schoolmaster. And actually, Romans says it harder than that. But let's go to Galatians. Thanks for... I'm sorry, it's not as... Anyway, so I'm judging myself now, so that's wrong. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's not the way I want it to be. It's so bad, but it's like, all right, all right. Galatians chapter 2. Go... Oh, let's see. All right, we'll just, we'll go to Galatians chapter 3, sorry. And we'll hit verse 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. That sounds really similar to what we just read. And it says, and the law is not of faith, in verse 12, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. So, so we're hopeless. <laughs> there is no way out for us except to die. <laughs> and that's our good news. Isn't that really weird? The kingdom is upside down. There's no way out for us except to die. And it's so good that Jesus died and took us with him. I mean, I can't. I want to give you this scripture so much, and it's just verse 25. Verse 25. 325. Thank you, Susan. There's another teacher in the house besides all of you. Um, okay, but after that, faith is come. Is that where? We are no longer under a school. Okay, wait. Back up. All right. Verse 22. The scripture has concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the law, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that, faith is come. We are no longer under a schoolmaster, for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Okay. So what happened is God says, all right, you're all under sin because of what Adam did. Here's the law. I want you to look at the law because then you'll really know how bad sin is. And there, there are verses in here that say sin, I think it's Romans 7. Right? Okay, Romans 7. Romans 7. Okay. Wherefore, I'm in verse, what, 7. Romans 7, verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence, for without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died, and the commandment which was ordained to life I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me. So what God is trying to say is, 
yes, you have a law. You know the right from the wrong. But he's trying to make it so obvious that sin is disgusting. It brings you down. It makes you worse than you could ever be. And it separates you from God. It is not a good thing. But you can't help yourself. So he's got to bring us to a point to say, help. Right? He's, if, we, if none of us ever came to that point of saying, we need you, God, would we have him in our lives? Think back on that. Sometimes I remember where I was, and I think, oh, God, if you hadn't shown me that I was a sinner and it was my fault, not anybody else's, where would I be today? So that's his purpose in giving the law, that we need to face that. And there's something in... Matthew, and it says, oh, Lord, I'm sorry. Okay, what it says is, he's talking to the Pharisees, and he's saying, this is the, the stone that was rejected by the builders, but it has become the cornerstone. And he says, everyone that falls on this rock shall be broken, but on whomsoever this rock falls will be crushed. And for me, that means... He's the stone. He's the corner headstone. And we are meant to be formed to him because without that cornerstone, the whole building would fall. So we are meant to be adjusted to where he was. But on the other hand, if, he, if we fall on it and say, Lord, I need you. I need you to be in my life. I need you to cleanse me from sin. I need you, period. Then we're falling on the rock, and we will be broken because our pride can't stand to say that we've been sinners. But if that rock, in the end, falls on you, you are dead. You are separated from God because of your own choice. So that's that's always stuns me. All right, here we go. So let's go to 1 Corinthians. This is the good news now. <laughs> Enough of the bad news. Dear Lord, <laughs> I know people say I can tend to be too serious. So um, good. this is the good stuff, I promise you. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. On this I have all the scriptures, so praise God. Verse 26. Now, let, let me preface this with saying that I want you to hear what you're thinking about yourselves. And um, he chooses what we think about ourselves that's wrong. So in other words, all right, let's read this and we'll see. Verse 26, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. I qualify. God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised has God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are that no flesh should glory in his presence. So if you hear yourself saying, oh, I'm so stupid. Oh, why did I do that again? You know, I, all the other things that we say, I'm dumb, I'm weak. Oh, I can't do this. This is bad. I always come to this I am nothing, forget it, you know, all this. The world wants to tell you and the devil that your self-worth depends on your performance and others' opinions of your performance. And this 
whole thing is just to remember that that is not God's calling your worth. When we sit, that's part of what we're going to do in a minute, is just that our worth is based on the fact that God loved us enough to say, I see your dilemma, let me help you. I'll put you in me. And that's exactly what this says in verse 30. But of God are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So everything that we need, the righteousness that we need, the wisdom that we need, the sanctification. And I think when, I I would love you to go home and ask the Lord, we'll ask the Lord to show us what we're thinking about ourselves. Because I didn't hear it until this person started to tell me that I was trying to punish myself. Do you ever hear yourself scolding yourself in your head? or berating yourself in your head. You're not saying it out loud. And yet, what does that make you feel like? Down, no energy, can't do it, lethargic, whatever. You know, I mean, it's angry even sometimes. So along with that, catch it. Catch your thoughts and then replace it. So, okay, here, let's go to Romans 4. 6.14. And we're all, I'm going to finish up and we'll do this good. Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. And so part of our answer is to completely remove ourselves from the thought of being good through obeying the law. Um, and we're, uh, let's go to Romans 3, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. And that word means shine the light on it. it the first where it says the righteousness of God is revealed it's not God's, you know, judgment on sin. It's what he requires of us. In, in verse 17, it says, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. Revealed means to take the lid off. So he's in the process of showing us what he really wants from us. So he's taking the lid off and then shining the light on the fact that he wants us to believe what he's provided for us. His performance. Okay, let's turn to Romans 10, 4, and it says, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Good news. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Um, Now, if we go continue, it says, For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. In other words, 
our righteousness is not unreachable and to try to bring him down. Or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring Christ up again from the dead, that means it's not hopeless. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith, which we preach. So I'm going to um, ask Patrick if he will bring up as an act of faith, I did bring some juice and, and some bread. Now, in the past, I have, you know, we've had different services and whatnot. There have been people that will talk during, you know, to have communion. And what they say is almost like heavy, you know. In fact, I'll, I won't tell you, but Pastor Tom was in a service once and he prayed that I wouldn't get heavy. And everybody ended up laughing in the spirit. It was an amazing service. And so this is not to get heavy with. This is not to say, Jesus, you you died for me, which he did. You shed your blood. And I know that was must have been horrible. And you gave your body. But this is to say, I died with Jesus. I don't have to try hard anymore. I'm accepted. I'm, I'm in the kingdom now. You know, it's, it's more to say, this is joyful. This is a time to say, this blood was for me. That makes me a value. This, this body was broken for my healing so I could be whole and lay hands on the sick and have other people get well as well. That's the kind of attitude I want you to have when you come up. And I want you, as you come up, that very action, you know, settle it in your heart and mind. My performance doesn't matter to the Lord so much as my faith in what he can do in me. And there are more scriptures. I I botched it. But it's time for us to do this. Is that by the spirit we live now. We don't live by the law. We don't live by what we think is you know, right and wrong. or and, and if we catch ourselves doing that, stop. Receive grace. Say, all right, Lord, here, here I am. I'm not going to beat myself up anymore. You love me. And go on and trust him to do it within you. And maybe what I'll do for next Wednesday, I'll, I'll write all the wonderful scriptures that I have here. I'm sorry. But And I've actually asked Chrissy if she will come up and instead of a worship song, which we began with, we're going to do happy praise songs so that this this is not, you know, just something to do. So hopefully, and I apologize for not having all the, all the scriptures out the way I really want them. Let me see if there's just one. We're redeemed from the curse of the law. Uh, we're like the wife where her husband dies and she can marry another. That's the great thing. We're dead now. We're dead to the law. So we don't have to try to be good. We are married to another so we can bring forth fruit to God. Um, the answer to our dilemma is Christ's resurrection. That's what I'm kind of asking you to remember as you go take the elements. He died, yes, but so do all of we. But when he was raised, he was raised for our justification. He completely not only cleansed us from sin, but he covers us with the breastplate of righteousness. So never again, like I used to agonize, Lord, I've lived all my life and I've made all these mistakes 
how can I, you know, go on? It's not. It's all gone. Every mistake is all gone. He just sees us for now. And he, the relationship is what he wants. A relationship with us. N- not like as a father and a child goes to the, the child goes to the father and, and maybe they deserve a spanking. But the father's not going to give it to them in anger. The father's going to love them. And I think of you too, for me, I don't have a father right now, but I do have a father right now. And our father loves us beyond what even our own fathers could have done. So that's what I want you to come up with, is that sense of a loving father and a resurrection power that lives in you by the Spirit. the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added on.